Um, I'm Laura, as Miles said, and I'm part of the core team here at MCC. Um, and I'm really excited this morning to be sharing um, the next bit of our study in Ephesians with you. Um, we often call Ephesians the book of Ephesians, don't we? And I think in calling it the book of Ephesians, we often dishonor it in remembering actually that it is a letter. It is a letter from someone to a specific group of people in a specific time. And this is one of my favorite, I'm now going to go back on what I just said, this is one of my favorite books in the Bible, um, and especially the passage that we have got today. We are going to be sitting in the end of Ephesians 3, which is this beautiful prayer that Paul um, writes to the church in Ephesus. So before we dive into the verses today, I just wanted to give us a bit of context on the book of Ephesians. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to this sort of thing, and I love knowing the context of the time that the letter was written, the people that it was written to. I think it's only then when we understand that that we can really glean the goodness out of it. So, let me get my pointer working. Great. So here's some of the context of Ephesians. It was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, around 63 AD, and it's one of his prison letters. He wrote a number of letters from prison, and this is one of the ones that he wrote um, whilst he was in Rome. He wrote it to the church in Ephesus, which he actually knew quite well. We know from Acts 19 that Paul spent quite a lot of time in Ephesus. He spent about two years of his ministry there, sharing the good news to the mainly Gentile population. Today, Ephesus is still in existence. It's on the west coast of Turkey. Back then, it was a port town. It was a major hub for um, commerce. It was on a lot of the main trading routes. It also had one of the seven wonders of the world in it. The Temple of Artemis was in um, Ephesus and it had a lot of Roman and Greek gods in there. Under Caesar Augustus it was actually the capital of Asia Minor and as a result had a cult by Paul's time had a cult of Caesar um, based in Ephesus. So a place full of Gentiles. It was a melting point of culture and customs and religious practices. And Paul tells us earlier in Ephesians 3 that he actually took honor in getting to share the gospel with the Gentiles in this place. But by this point, by the point of the letter, it's been many years since Paul has ministered there. And as I said, he's now in prison. Most of Paul's letters are written to a church for a specific reason. Often it's because the churches are struggling with something. They're falling out with each other over something, like in Corinthians or like Philippians that he's writing to them to thank them for a gift. Ephesians is a bit unique in that we don't really know why he wrote it. It just looks like he's writing to a church that he knows well to encourage them to say, keep going. And Ephesians can be divided into two halves. I stole this from the Bible Project, but it kind of gives us a bit of an overview. Chapters one to three is the gospel story. Paul spends the first three chapters just reiterating the gospel and the goodness of the gospel. And then chapters four to six, he looks at our story. How should the gospel affect our lives? What instructions does that then give how we live? And so we are sitting at the end of that first bit. We're at the hinge point as Paul finishes this one to three with this beautifully rich prayer. A prayer to encourage the Ephesians to grow because they need to understand the gospel and the good news before they can implement it into their lives. 
So let's read it together. If you've got a Bible, pull it out. If you would like one, stick your hand up and someone will bring one around for you. We're in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. It is on the screen as well. I'm reading from the NIV. So if you'd like to read it with me, it's not too long. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Sorry, I'm reading from two different places. That was a bad idea, wasn't it? Great. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Isn't Paul just the most amazing writer? The richness and beauty in this prayer is just outstanding. And I'm excited to be able to unpack some of it together this morning. Like I said, it's full of riches. We're not going to get into all of it today. But just amazing, isn't it, that Paul would write this prayer. Have you ever been in really bad weather? So bad that it actually scares you. That it might even worry for your life a little bit. A few years ago, Ross and I were on holiday in the Lake District and we decided to climb Helvellyn, which is one of the hills, mountains in the Lake District. We're fairly experienced hikers. We actually got engaged at the top of Scarfell Pike, which is the tallest mountain in England. Um, and we were staying nearby, so we thought we'd spend the day hiking up Helvellyn. And the day started off, that's one of my photos, beautiful, right? Nice sunny day, it was July, it was dry. However, about halfway up, the weather changed. The wind picked up and it started to rain. And thankfully, we had the right kit, we had waterproofs on, we had hiking boots on, but we were getting battered and drenched and the higher we got the more exposed it got the more exposed the elements we got and it was really hard to keep our feet planted on the ground we made it to the top this was our beautiful view the whole point that you climb mountains is that you get to see these beautiful vistas that was the view that we got and you can probably see there that's just how windy it was i was full-on blowing in the wind so we had very little visibility and as we started to head back down the mountain we took a wrong turn and ended up on the side of the mountain in very precarious path with the wind nearly knocking us off sheer face on either side ross and i were having to actually walk arm in arm to hold ourselves down because i thought we weren't getting off that mountain in one piece i thought that we were going to be blown away now, obviously, we live to tell the tale, and we made it down the mountain fine. But have you ever felt like that in your Christian life, where it feels like your feet are not on solid ground, where it feels like one strong gust of wind, and you're going to be blown over? 
that we're going to be swept away and completely lose our footing. As I said, we got back safely with a great story to tell and a reminder of the dangers of uh, hiking in unsafe conditions. But it, what in life do we need to keep us on the ground? Not swept away by the hard things and the challenges that come our way. Well, that's what we find here in this Paul, prayer from Paul. Paul is praying for fertile soil. The Ephesians need to grow and establish deep roots. And I think that through this prayer, Paul gives us five ways that we can grow these deep roots and build these firm foundations. So how do we become rooted and established in love? These are the five points I'm going to go through. First off, we have to put God in his rightful place. Secondly, we have to have Christ dwell in our hearts. Thirdly, we have to be rooted in love. Fourth, to contemplate the enormousness of Christ's love. And fifth, accept that this love surpasses all understanding and all knowledge. So first, we need to put God in his rightful place, which we can see in verses 14 and 15. First off in this prayer, we see Paul's stance in prayer. And his stance is to get on his knees when he comes before the Father, he kneels, fully recognizing and submitting to God's authority over him. And we would do well in copying that behavior in our prayer life. How do we build deep roots and foundations, firm foundations, is by putting God in his rightful place in our life. Which, as Paul writes here, is the Father over every family. The creator of all, the ultimate patriarch. How often do we come before God as some sort of genie that we want good things from? Or as the last ditch attempt when we've tried everything else and everything's going wrong? How often do we come to God in, a, in prayer in a rush as we've got to fit prayer in before we move on to our next thing? Or how often do we come to him in prayer distracted by all the other things that are buzzing around us? How often do we come to God in prayer humbly and submissively just to note here paul isn't praying for himself he's praying for the ephesians he's kneeling before god not to plead for himself but for something that he wants but because he recognizes the authority of god not over just him but over all believers we've sang multiple times this morning that his name is the highest that he stands above all dominions and powers that the angels cry holy forever, that we give him the highest praise. And even though we sang that with our mouths, are we believing that with our hearts? Are you putting God the Father in his rightful place in your life? When you pray, do you pray to him as the Father and author of all? It is only when we put God in his rightful place that we can really set those firm foundations. Secondly, we are to let Christ dwell in our hearts. This is a phrase that we often use when talking to new believers or inviting people to become Christians. Would you like Jesus to come and live in your heart today? Has you made that uh, decision to have Jesus come into your heart? But Paul isn't talking to new Christians here. He's talking to established Christians. He's talking to a church in Ephesus. 
So why does he pray for the Ephesians to have Christ dwell in his heart? Well, it's similar to the first point. We need to have God in his rightful place as the Father and Lord of all. But we also need to have Christ in the right place as the King of our heart. We need to give our hearts over to him on a daily basis as we look to him. It isn't about choosing Christ for the first time, but about choosing to follow him every day. And how does Paul tell us that we can do this? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, does his work in our innermost core, the very center of our being, where our strongest desires are. Paul is praying for us to behold Christ right in that innermost part of ourselves, for us to know him intimately. Do you know Christ intimately? Are you prepared to let him into the very center of your being, into the core where all your desires are? Because when we do, when we let him into that deepest part of us, we build those foundations deeper. Why? Because the more intimately we know Jesus, the more like him we will become. Next, third, is to be rooted in love. We know that the conditions that the root of a plant is in will affect the whole plant. If the roots are in the wrong kind of soil, the plant will wither and die. It will rot. The same goes for us. If our roots are in the wrong thing, if our foundations are flawed, then we will only produce bad fruit. Take a road, for example. My husband is a highways engineer. If you are in a conversation with him for more than five minutes, he will probably talk to you about roads. So I spend a lot of time hearing about roads. And often when we think of foundations, we think of buildings, right? But roads need good foundations too. One thing I've learned through Ross's very enthusiastic love, a very enthusiastic love of his job is that solid foundations in roads are important to keep vehicles safe on them. If there's a fundamental flaw in the design of the foundations, the road will just collapse. Here's some examples. They go, that's the very technical layers on a road, and that's a sinkhole that appeared in the A1 near Gateshead about five years ago. Contrary to popular belief, the top layer of the road isn't where the road gets its strength from. It's only about five centimeters deep. The real strength is found in the foundations. That's why when you see maintenance crews coming and patching up the potholes in your road, the pothole will still probably appear within 12 months because the issue isn't with that top level, the problem's deeper. The issue is with the foundations. The only way that's really gonna get fixed by taking up the whole road and fixing the foundations, the real change, for real change, the deepest foundations must be strengthened. If we neglect the foundation, then they, we will continue, there will continue to be problems. And as Miles said before I got up, love is more than a feeling. We know from 1 Corinthians 13 that love is an active word, meaning that actions need to follow it. The opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is neglect and indifference. Can humans thrive if they're rooted in neglect? No, 
There's a reason that the neglect of children and vulnerable adults is a form of abuse, because we know the damage that that does in the growth of children and the growth of people. Neglect removes care, removes love, removes safety, all the things that are needed to build and grow stability. We cannot neglect our relationship with God. Otherwise, the roots will not find the fertile, deep soil. The foundations will not find the solid rock. Have you been neglecting your relationship with God? Paul has already told us in the previous verse that we've just looked at how to become rooted in love. If we have God in the rightful place as our Father, and if we have Christ dwell in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will become rooted and established in love. Isn't that just the most beautiful picture of the Trinity? God the Father on the throne, God the Son in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we have God in his rightful place as Father, when we have Christ dwell in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will become rooted and established in love. Fourthly, we need to contemplate the enormousness of Christ's love. Now, what do I mean by contemplate? Well, in the Bible, verse 18, it says to grasp it. But I'm not sure we can ever quite grasp it. I've put contemplate because I think it's something that we need to sit with. We need to sit with this enormousness of Christ's love and just realize how big it is. I'm sure many of you know the Sunday school song, Jesus, love is very wonderful. And the chorus goes so high, we can't get over it. So low, you can't get over, under it. So wide, we can't get round it. Oh, wonderful love. Even we teach the kids that God's love is so big that there's no way that they can get around it. And that's what Paul is praying here, that we would know all the dimensions of Christ's love for us. We're actually pretty terrible at accepting love. Maybe because we think it makes us seem weak or needy. Maybe it's because deep down inside, we know if people truly saw the deepest darkest parts of us that we would be unworthy so we look for other worldly ways of feeling loved because love may conquer all in fairy tales but surely that can't happen in the real world surely Christ's love can't be strong enough to love me completely it's why we make Christianity all about the good works and religious deeds that we can do to make ourselves good enough for God to accept us. Because he can't just accept me as I am. Can he? The love of God is big enough to embrace you and me. Why? Because in Romans 8, it tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't love our religiousness. He doesn't love us because of our good deeds. He loved us when we were still sinners. He isn't scared of the darkest parts of us. He's already paid the price for all our sin and all our shame when he died on the cross and he rose again. The beauty of the gospel is that when we feel at our most unlovable, God is big enough to handle that. And not just handle that, but love us inexplicitly. And we aren't supposed to do this alone. We are to grasp this 
enormousness of God's love alongside his people. It says that we are to grasp this alongside God's holy people. There are dimensions of God's love that we will not grasp on our own. There are dimensions of God's love that we will never understand unless we build community with people that are different to us. It's only through that that we will see the fullness of God's love through unity. As Paul writes in Galatians 3.28, in the kingdom of God, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It is only in community that we were with God's people that we will see the fullness of God's love. Are you in community with people who are different to you? If not, build that community, make those relationships, because there is so much blessing to be found there. And finally, we need to accept that this love surpasses all knowledge. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. It is so vast. And we sing about how ridiculous God's love is all the time. Whether it is the Sunday school song that I spoke about earlier, or whether it is the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, or whether it is how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Or maybe it's that we could sing of his love forever. His love is so big that we could spend eternity singing about it. We love to praise God for this love that surpasses all knowledge. But if you ever think that you have grasped the love of Christ, you are probably wrong. You are only paddling in the shallows of an ocean of his love for us. Because Jesus dying on a cross for us, the Son of God leaving heaven and coming to earth as a baby, sentenced to a criminal's death, beaten and crucified, all to rise again three days later, is because he loves you. And because he loves me. And it makes no sense. And yet it happened and it is true. Because God loved the world so much that he would send his only son to die in your place and grant us eternal life. We talked about um, understanding the love of God so much better through community with God's people. And we are given the commandment to love your enemies. And that is ridiculous and really bad advice if the resurrection isn't true. Because it's only through the power of the resurrection that we can share the love out that, that God has given us. Because at one point, we were enemies with God. And he still died for us. In the light of Jesus' death and resurrection, it is the only response to our enemies. We have to accept that this love surpasses our knowledge and understanding and be okay with that. So to recap, how do we become rooted and established in love? How do we build those deep roots and those firm foundations? We have to put God in his rightful place as the father of all creation and submit to him. 
We have to have Christ dwell in our hearts and let that dwelling of Christ change us. We have to be rooted in love. And the way that we experience God's love through all dimensions is through building community with people who are different to us. And finally, we need to accept that love that surpasses all understanding and accept that it might not make sense to us why God would love a wretch like me, but he does. At the start, I asked if you'd ever had times in your Christian life where you felt unrooted, like me on the side of the mountain, that one strong gust or one big wave and you would be blown away. Well, how does Paul's prayer help us answer this? Ultimately, it is about love and our identity. How do we build those roots? Through believing and accepting the love of God has for us as his children who are loved so much that he, he sent his son to die in our place and by placing him in his rightful place in our lives. There's a song that we currently sing called Firm Foundations. And this is the bridge. The rain came, the wind blew, but my house was built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm going to make it through. I want all of us to be able to walk out of this building today in that truth that whatever wind is blowing, we'll be able to stand strong and safe because our roots are strong and established in the love of God. Put God in his rightful place as father of all. Let Jesus dwell in your hearts. Get to know him intimately through the power of the Holy Spirit. Get rooted in love so that you can try to grasp just how enormous the dimensions of God's love are for us. And accept that this love isn't supposed to make sense. But in accepting it, we will have the deepest peace and the greatest joy imaginable. I just want to invite the band back up, please. As we come to a close, I just want you to reflect on these. The prayer team will be available at the back. Maybe this morning, you can't see how God could love you. How his love is big enough to cover all your needs. If that is you today, please go and get prayer. Maybe you're currently going through a storm. Maybe you feel like one big gust and you are going to be blown away. Please go and get some prayer today. Maybe you are struggling to put God in the right place in your life as Lord of all. Maybe you want to know Jesus more intimately today. Then please go and get prayer. And maybe you don't know this love that we're talking about. Maybe you don't know that Jesus died for you. Maybe you've never heard that the Son of God came and died on a cross and rose again for you. The prayer team will be at the back and would love to pray with you. And I just want to finish off with a prayer. Father God, I thank you for this incredible love that you have for us. I thank you for this wonderful letter from Paul that we can read together today and be blessed by. We pray as Paul did, 
that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with the power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, that we may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses all knowledge that would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We thank you, Father, that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is a work within us. And to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>